cults over here. Cults over there. There are cults everywhere. everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a man, and the aliens came to him and said, Hey, we trust you with all of our secrets. You know that religion thing? That was just a construct. But we want you to spread our word to everybody. Yay, realism. Yay! Yay! Aliens. <laughs> aliens. They're so smart. <laughs> they are so smart. And they're so much smarter than us, and they're here. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, okay, okay. This oh, yeah. is a very alien-centric episode. My name's Sean. We should do that first. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fluidness of that transition. <laughs> I am Rachel. And I'm Alan. This is a very alien-centric episode. <laughs> should we first quickly talk about how we feel about aliens? What is our relationship with aliens? I mean, sure. All right, go for it. I'm terrified of them. Why? <laughs> because if they're here, they're so much smarter than us. Like, And I definitely believe they exist somewhere in the universe. But if they have made it here with us, they're clearly much smarter than us <laughs> and much more advanced than us. So that's just a little terrifying, I find. Yeah. How about you, Alan? Yeah, I, I feel like there is some sort of other beings in this world or in this galaxy or in out there in this marvelous in this, galaxy yeah. of disney <laughs> <laughs> but i mean yeah i think it is just kind of scary to think that if there is another being out there that's smarter than us it's a little intimidating yeah intimidating yeah, yeah. i'm i'm the same i re- very much believe we are not alone in this universe because that would be very um like jerkwad of us to think yeah. that yes and You're not that special as i was watching a lot of my research came from wikipedia but i was also watching vice and as i was watching vice i thought that was so funny i got this notification another new planet has been discovered called proxima d that's a fun name yeah yeah and it's, like, very Earth-like. They said that we could live on that planet, despite the fact it orbits a red dwarf, which I guess a red dwarf, as compared to our sun, makes it very random in its, like, mm. oh, livable. Oh, the temperatures yeah. fluctuate a lot? Or? Yeah, fluctuating temperatures are just unstable conditions. <laughs> We're having a hard enough time with the fluctuating temperatures <laughs> yeah. of climate change here. I don't know if we want to throw a red dwarf into that mix. Let's get away from climate change and go to climate change. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's just to say, like, there are planets out there that we could live on, so if we can live on them, yeah. who's to say there's not already people living on them? I just hope they find the porgs. I love the porgs. <laughs> So today we're talking about realism, a.k.a. realianism, a.k.a. International Raelian Movement, (laughs) a.k.a. Raelian Church. Woo, it has many good names. Yeah, and this is one, I don't remember which of us found this one, but it's been on our radar for a while. It's just, they're kind of kooky. (laughs) We wanted to talk about them. Yeah, and (laughs) honestly, it sounds like they have a pretty wide presence. Yeah. Which... I'd never heard of them before, mm-hmm. so I found that really intriguing that they do seem to reach kind of far. Yeah, they. I've got some notes on that, too. They've very much been within American <laughs> politics, like, to the point where they have been speaking in front of Bill Clinton wow. in Congress. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. They were yeah. 
because of the cloning. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's this time of Dolly the sheep and everyone, and everyone's like, cloning. Cloning. Oh, no. oh, and they're like, no. we'll have this guy talk about cloning. So let's get into it. So this is, um, it was organized and run by Rael, who was born Claude Vorlhan. Mm-hmm. He was born in Ambart, France, on September 30th, 1946. This is my favorite part. He was the illegitimate child of a 15-year-old mother who was impregnated by a Jewish refugee who was hiding. All right. I didn't know that about Yeah. <laughs> I just knew that she was a devout atheist and the father was Jewish culturally, but not religiously. Well, if you ask Rael, yeah. his father... Is actually... <laughs> Yahweh. Yes, who is one of alien. the Elohim. Yeah. Which is weird because he doesn't really believe in religion, but he believes in Yahweh. So what? He says Jesus Christ is his brother. Okay. Well, yes, because he doesn't really see all religions he sees are the stories that people have created around the truth that exists, which is that aliens came here (laughs) and created stuff. So like Jesus, all these other prophets, they were, they had also gotten either messages from the Elohim or they are Elohim themselves. Mm -hmm. Um and that's why they do have messages that are kind of along the right track. He basically did a whole revisionist take on the Bible where he's like, let me explain to you how Jesus walked on water. It involves <laughs> laser beams and invisible beams. And, <laughs> and then Moses parted the sea with technology. Yeah, <laughs> Alien <magnets>. technology. <laughs> magnets and lasers magnets. and beams. <laughs> Yeah, basically, he just claims that, like, yeah, Catholicism or Catholics, like, they believe in a god, but actually, in reality, that god is an Elo- El- Elohim. Elohim. Yeah, so that's kind of his argument for that. Yeah, and he had quite the life. Like, he grew up attending a Roman Catholic church, but... And a really, Catholic school. Yeah, and a Catholic mm-hmm. school. And like you said, <laughs> his mom wasn't religious. Yeah, and I think that's more just kind of a view on how much like churches are involved in schools in certain areas like it was a good school and so that's where he went um and i do love that he caused a bit of a scandal oh because he even even though he wasn't baptized he took communion how dare how dare i know And, and it's funny, I was like, well, it's not even, like, baptized. You have to go through First Communion yeah. before you're allowed to do that shit. <laughs> and it's always, like, super looked down upon. But well, I know the secret. Wait. I told Stephanie she should just go get communion anyways. Oh, <laughs> she went no. with me to church. And I was like, it's oh, really no. fun. Go, do it. <laughs> you know this is being recorded. What? The police are on their way. They're coming for her. <laughs> We're going to make you take my communion one day, Sean. Yeah. Okay. I might have. No. No, you haven't. Did you try the wafers? Yeah. um, Yeah. Okay. He knows what a wafer tastes like because my friend Alex Uh bought some unconsecrated wafers (laughs) just to eat because she loves how the texture is. She loves the body of Christ. She loves the body of Christ. There's something about that styrofoamy goodness. (laughs) So we were just nomming. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, so his mom's not religious, and he's brought up, or he recounts being raised atheist by his aunt and grandmother, 
who basically this trio of women are who really raised him. It takes a village, people. It takes a village. It takes a village to raise a prophet. <laughs> Not the yeah. village people. But Not just the village, village people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so he started at this school, but then at age fifteen he ran away. <gasps> ran yeah. away from school, and he decided he was going to be a musician. Um, he already kind of had a love of race cars, I guess, that was happening in the back of his brain, but he particularly went to Paris and he started playing at cafes and getting music out there into the world. It took him about three years, but finally he was discovered. And interesting fact, this is what he said with the guitar, is that he was a very awkward, unsociable child or teenager. So he said, when I picked up the guitar, suddenly I was noticed. People wanted to talk to me. And this is how I thrived in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really funny hearing him talk about what an awkward boy he was. Yeah. Um, because, like, he was clearly, they were showed pictures of him when he was younger. And he was a pretty attractive young man. Yeah. Like, definitely attractive. I can see why he became a pop idol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for a few years there um, because he did he was discovered he was signed um, to by a guy that kind of led a radio program there he released uh, six different singles and became pretty popular in Paris at this time but unfortunately it came to a stop when his manager unexpectedly committed suicide and he had to selfish <laughs> just ruining <laughs> ruining this guy's career but it's okay like he had already been saving up for a race car he still had that love of racing he wanted to get into that and so he kind of pivoted at this point and he decided to get into sports journalism to try to find his way into himself driving a race car yeah and if you want to find his singing it's under claude seller yes Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, it's fine. I was just going to say that, like, yeah, that dream of him becoming a race car driver started when he was a kid, because even when he was a kid, he was kind of bullied as a young child. He wasn't good at sports. <clears throat> yeah, he wasn't good at sports, but then, like, when he was nine years old, he won his first go-kart race, and that was like, when he was like, oh, my gosh, I can actually, like, do something. <laughs> just, I have cutest. a talent! Yeah. <laughs> so that's where his love for racing started, and yeah, he founded Autopop magazine. Yes. Um, and, and he was smart the way he went around this because race cars are expensive. There's a reason why every race car you see at the track has a bunch of sponsors oh, yeah. on them. It's freaking expensive. So he used this magazine that he created to exchange um, kind of them getting promotion in the mm-hmm. magazine to him then having them sponsor cars. So he would like have a deal with someone and then he had a car for a year (laughs) sort of situation i'll run your ad if you give me a car (laughs) yeah and then i'll test these cars and i'll put details about them in my magazine i thought that was so interesting knowing that he becomes this group leader where in a lot of these groups they do exchange you know for favors that this is kind of where it started in 1973, yes, in sexual favors, Rachel. <laughs> uh, also, just before he started Autopop, he married a nurse and had two children with her at 25. Yes, <laughs> which didn't last. No. <laughs> because um, a couple years into him now with this having this magazine, things going on, a fateful day came on December 13th, 1973. He was walking 
in the morning and he just he he felt drawn to walk toward the local volcano. (laughs) (laughs) As one does. As one does. And he didn't know why, but he's like, okay, I'll go this way. And as he was walking that way, that's when he saw in the sky a silver bell-shaped kind of cock. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Bell-shaped? A bell-shaped cock. (laughs) A literal mushroom head. Um, so he sees it and he's just like, oh, this is what people call UFOs. So it's, it's just going to disappear now that I've noticed it, but it, it didn't disappear. It stayed there. And then it had these stairs that folded down out of it. And then a small diminutive figure. Who looked like Jesus Michael Jackson. Okay. Like (laughs) you guys, if you have the chance to watch this Vice documentary, they have some beautiful kind of reenactment like cartoonized (laughs) versions of this and the alien has like long straight black hair and super white big big eyes and like a little goatee thing going on it's very odd jesus michael jackson jesus michael jackson (laughs) when he first sees him he says at first he thought like it was a child because of its diminutive size but then as it came closer he realized it was a full-grown entity and this entity was looking specifically for him what yeah went to him and was like you we come to talk to you we need to tell you about the elohim we need to tell you about how we brought life to earth and we need you to spread that message so he's like okay and he went and he got onto the ship with this entity and he, they shared the mysteries of the universe with him. Wow. Okay. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do we believe this happened? I don't believe it happened. <laughs> I feel like he might enjoy some <laughs> mm-hmm. fun things. Speaking of mushrooms. <laughs> Speaking of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while I believe in aliens and them existing, this just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't ring true it's to me. It's a little bit of that whole John Smith story where I found these tablets in my backyard. Do you want to? No, I, I don't have them to show you. No. <laughs> we, don't have a, we have a clone baby, but we can't show it to yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see Eve. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that I found interesting was I saw someone kind of doing almost like a Ted talk sort of thing about intelligent design and the idea that realism has around this. And they're like, now you're all going to ask me, what do I have of proof that this actually happened? And there is no proof. But what I want to say is does proof matter when the important thing is the message Mm -hmm. that was brought? Um, Which is so interesting. Like, Okay, so you have a message you want to share, but you still feel like you have to create this whole weird story. Yeah, it. it really rang true to something you said, Rachel, on one of our older shows about like the creation stories. Oh, yeah. Because there is a lot with this group that I'm very attracted to this group. And then I thought, well, this is just the creation story. This is how he draws people in. But there's a lot of good once he gets people in, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely... Um, 
an interesting group, and it starts with aliens. And starts and with this aliens. message <laughs> in 1973. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. <laughs> yeah. So, and one of my favorite things is upon seeing this alien, his first question is, do you speak French? Yeah. <laughs> we speak all languages. <laughs> <laughs> and during this first encounter, apparently when he went into their ship, he stayed there six days. Oh, jeez. Six days. <laughs> he should have just gone for the seven. Yeah. I more mean, biblical number. More biblical. <laughs> but that was really interesting to me because I also love to imagine like how much of this story came from him being out doing something crazy on the town, maybe with other women, whatever, for six days and coming back to his wife and being like, there were aliens. (laughs) (laughs) And they took me onto their ship and I had to learn things from them. Yep. Yep. There were no other women, just aliens. There were alien women, women who were aliens, (laughs) who were men that I didn't do anything with. Because I don't, think it was till his second visit where they provided him with like five women to spend time with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is always interesting to me when a key feature of uh, a leader's like platform is that there should be plentiful women available to them to sleep with. It says something. It says It sends a message. Like, and I'm all for free love and all that, but I also, there's part of me that feels like that is just such a, an element of manipulation when you are the person of power that someone trusts and you're, you say, well, like, if you do this, then you're obviously coming closer yeah. to God and stuff like that. It's like, why, why don't you just have consensual relationships upon like your own awesomeness and don't have to create a power structure where you are the one yeah. in power and saying like, well, I will give you salvation (laughs) if you do this very much in agreement (laughs) yes um yeah so this leads to december and i was gonna say the big message takeaway from this was the embassy oh yes you must build an embassy and share our view yes that all religion served a purpose it got people working towards something but you are smart enough to know it's not real. You must spread our word. It is us. We are we are religion. We are the realness. And, <laughs> and I love that this was in 1973. Um, have they built the embassy yet? Um, no. No, they haven't. No. No. No, it's not built yet. But it's okay. We'll have it by 35. 2035. <laughs> definitely when we'll have that embassy done. Oh, jeez. 2035? <laughs> I don't know why they need this long to build it. No. <laughs> so this leads to December 1974. Um, he starts the Movement for the Welcoming of the Elohim, Creators of Humanity. <laughs> I mean, that's what they are. You're going to see a pattern here, Colties. Um, Claude doesn't give the best names of things. Do they ever? <laughs> no. <laughs> And this is where, speaking of names, he switches to Rael. Yes, because mm-hmm. you can never just have the name you were given. You have to like have this moment of transition where you're go- like the name that's associated with the power given to you through like gods or these <laughs> sacred alien beings. That's how you get your powers through that special name. Yeah, that's the name that gives power. Mm-hmm. 
So I found this interesting because this is December 1974 and already by July of 1975, we'll call them Matic for short, mm-hmm. They were all, there were already people within this group who were like, we don't trust you. We want a bigger, broader look at alien sightings, not just yours, not just your two. Yeah. Yeah, but there's definitely, for him, a certain amount of gatekeeping because mm-hmm. that's what made him the prophet. Exactly. If this was something that anyone could experience, then he loses his power in the message that he's spreading because mm-hmm. that's, like, he was chosen. He yep. is of the Elohim, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and that's even what these members said. They wanted to limit Rael's power because they saw the writing on the wall pretty early. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And um, in answer to this, in 1976, Rael was like, oh, I've had another vision. (laughs) Oh, another one. So he disbands these people from Matic. He kind of brings in his own trusted people to be around him to, like, really cement his control. And he has a vision and he's taken to their planet this time of the aliens. Yes. Mm -hmm. He even made a book about this experience. Yes. Called Space Aliens Took Me to Their Planet. <laughs> like we said, very good at naming things. So, like it's very, you know what you're getting. Yes. So I compare this to, you're going to like this because you know the person, Brian Turner from high school, <laughs> when the prequel Star Wars were coming out, he, he got all excited one day. He's like, I found on the internet that the next movie, movie number two, is called Palpatine Gets Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that's who's naming these things. <laughs> I was like, Brian, it's not called Palpatine. It could be. <laughs> you, you don't know. That's that's a terrible that's name. A for terrible a name. <laughs> the man who made Jar Jar Binks would not call a movie Palpatine Gets Skywalker. Yes. I will say later he did republish it under the name The Message Given to Me by the Extraterrestrials. Um with a subtitle of They Took Me to Their Planet. <laughs> yes, and that was in, I have the dates here somewhere. In 1986, I think, is when they did that yeah. new, um, they did that, and then they also created a new translation as The Final Message in 1998. So that's kind of probably what you find it under now. Which, that one made me laugh, because how do you follow up to The Final Message? <laughs> yeah. The Final Message plus one more. <laughs> You're really limiting yourself on what you can put out there by declaring this to be the final message yeah and really if you're a prophet i feel like part of that is that you're supposed to be throughout your lifetime in constant contact it's not like you just have one vision and then forever the whole Mm -hmm. at least in a lot of the other religions that you see i feel like the prophets have continuous connection with their god-like person so i don't know true kind of interestingly limiting yeah um, the 80s, I kind of just summed up here. So if you guys have anything to add, I'll just kind of go over a few things that happened. Uh, they sent missions out to Japan in 1980, to Africa in 82, to Australia in 1990. They bought a compound in southern France and called it Eden. Uh, Rael's first wife split from him in the movement, and then he started getting more involved with sleeping with followers. Yeah, I... It's really hard to find information on where exactly his uh, first wife went. And yeah. I heard she, like, changed her name and moved to the Netherlands yeah. at one point. And there, there is a lot of kind of buzz out there about the fact that, like, he 
basically would make her watch him be sexually active with other people, <laughs> like, and stuff like that. And she was like, I did not sign up for this. I don't, want, I don't like this ending. <laughs> I don't like this ending. <laughs> um, so definitely I feel like she was in a relationship with someone who then kind of went in a very different direction from where they were. And she doesn't necessarily to be, doesn't necessarily seem supportive of this movement um, and kind of escaped from it, which is good. Do you think she's in hiding from Rael or from just media attention? I think it's probably like both. I don't think she's like particularly hiding from him. Mm -hmm. um, and his followers even say, oh, they have a fine, good relationship, which like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't think that this is what she wants to be associated yeah. with or known with. And for like, he is pretty famous as far as being out there. Lots of reporters want to talk with him and uh, ask questions about this crazy stuff that he's all about. So I think for her, being able to just separate herself from that mess was probably the aim yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, that brings us to the 90s. Did you have anything from the 90s? So in the 90s, <clears throat> I don't know if you can't, guys come across this, but they did later in the 90s uh, start this company called Cloning. That's kind of where cloning started being a bigger thing or just like people more interested in it. Um, and yeah, it was the director Bridget Boisselier. Boisselier. Yeah, Bridget Boisselier. Yeah, she was a major face um, with this company. But yeah, she's just a major face in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely lips. Um, yeah, but this is kind of where also the U.S. kind of started getting a little interested in them too because of their claims of having the technology for cloning. Um, but yeah, they, in 2022, and I don't know if there's anything else in 1990, but this is kind of where they claim to have their first human clone baby named yes. Eve, yeah. who's located in Israel. So <laughs> there is a little bit before that, so we'll come back to the okay. cloning, but, um, in 92, he expelled about 40 people from realism mm -hmm. and those 40 people band together and started Apostles of the Last Days. I wanted to mention this because I thought it was just funny. Because the Apostles of the Last Days, they believe in everything that the Raelists believe, uh -huh. except for that Rael is possessed by Satan. <laughs> well, that's what they believe? Yeah. They're like, you actually aren't a prophet. You You're, are Satan yeah. incarnate trying to, like, steal the glory of God for yourself. Yeah, kind of they thing? basically believe that he started off good, but at a certain point he got possessed by Satan. So, like, he's running it wrong. Wow. So they basically split apart and were like, we're going to run it ourselves. That's that, I mean, those are some words. <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting how we keep seeing this pattern of people like, you're a little off the rails. We like mm -hmm. you. We like your teachings, but you're a little off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't trust you to take we don't this trust in you. the right way. How interesting. And then I'm really sad that we missed this, Rachel. But what? in 92, Rael purchased 115 hectic hectares in quebec oh. he then built in 97 he built are you ready for it yeah ufo land ufo <laughs> land <laughs> and it doesn't exist anymore well it was like a museum for all things like ufo but it wasn't very popular it didn't what? do very well so what? it was seen as a failure and it was closed to the public in 2001 
So it may Aww. still be there. I don't know if the members still go there at all, but mm-hmm. we can't go there. I will say, I don't really think of Quebec as the place to go to learn about all my, the UFO history. Like, I feel like he would have been more successful if he, tri- you know, came down to Area 51. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did that in Roswell. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. And then in 95, he started uh, racing again. He was in the Canadian Grand Prix in 95 and in the Motorola Cup in Miami in 98. Wow. But it was short-lived. He retired again in 2001. All right. Which, well, yeah. Oh. And I will say, um, part of, like, the 90s of that and the big cloning thing was that was when he was connecting with people of power about it. That's when he was going in front of the U.S. Congress mm-hmm. and talking about cloning um, and, like, in front of Bill Clinton yeah. and everything. They really became um, – he became an expert on it, even though I don't think there was ever any scientific proof that they were actually <laughs> doing stuff but with, they said they did. I, I mean, <laughs> and if they people don't lie, <laughs> this guy went on to a UFO for six days. Yeah, he's trustworthy. Super trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. So after Alan mentioned Dolly the sheep, they started Valiant Venture to look into more cloning, but it eventually was called Clone Aid. Mm-hmm. And I will say one of their interests of cloning here is because. One of their big beliefs, Mm -hmm. they don't believe in an afterlife. Um, They don't believe that there's like a heaven or hell or anything like that. What they do believe is that um, part of their kind of, their baptism process is called the transmission. And what they do is on, there's like four special days a year where you can hold these ceremonies because they're the days when the aliens come closest. Uh, to the Jupiter area, so they're mm-hmm. closest to us, and they transmit your DNA and your kind of structure to the aliens. The aliens keep this information in their supercomputer. They continue to update this over time. And so when you pass away here on Earth, what happens is that the aliens then recreate you. They create a clone of you on the home planet, where you will then live out the rest of your days and it will have all your memories and experiences from here, but it's like a cloned body with your consciousness hmm. in it. So I that's why they're very interested in it. That's why they're like cloning. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like if the aliens can do it, they know it's possible. Yeah. And apparently um, Rael says that the aliens cloned him in front of him yes. on the spaceship. There were two Rael's. There were two Rael's. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> um, what did they call them when they were the one, the guides? They, okay. they were called guides, and these are the people that have, like, kind of gone up in the ranks and, like, teach others about uh, realism. And this one guy was so excited about the fact that there were two Rails. Can you believe that? <laughs> that's, but, that's crazy. What's interesting, and I think this is funny because this is totally what's going on in X-Men right now. In X-Men, <laughs> in the comics. Is something going on? Have a clone. Have a clone. The clone will fix it. <laughs> There's five mutants who, together with their powers, they can clone a body. And then Professor X has stored all the mutant memories as backups. So then you put that memory into the clone and that person lives on. So death is defeated for mutants. Are are they the Elohim? Maybe. I, I know. It's starting to connect dots. I'm like, these writers are just taking from like <laughs> cults, <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> But yeah, it's the exact same thing. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, the interesting thing though about 
cloning. So after 9-11, Rayless actually proposed to like clone the, the, the hijackers so that they could come back to life and be tried. So wow. they, they also thought wow. that like, yeah, like, oh, we can clone people too so that any, so they have to pay for yeah, their Yeah, like sins. any like suicide killers or anything like that, they can bring them back and try them in person. Wow. wow. That's just crazy to me. Like to create life purely to, to punish yeah. a person. That's kind of very dark. Yeah. Very dark. So we're actually coming towards the end of like the storytelling and then we can get more into like some of the beliefs and the bracelets and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to share this next part because no group is immaculate. So this is where I feel like we start getting into a little bit of trouble with realism. Mm-hmm. Starting in July 98, the LOM once again talked to Rael, and they asked him to start a subgroup called Rael's Angels. Oh, the Angels. Oh, the Angels. This is not Charlie's Angels, <laughs> listeners. No. So this is for the intent of only woman can join it. <laughs> Hashtag Nexium. And... Uh, <laughs> And the women are supposed to be available to be consorts of the Elohim when they arrive on Earth. Yes. So you are sexual beings. That's all you're meant for. Yes. And it's a lot of them actually like compare it to being a nun. Okay. Um, which was, it's one of the things I found really interesting in the Vice documentary, especially when they were talking um, to the different realism followers in Africa is they really drew a lot of parallels between the religion of colonizers that colonizers brought in and like how you can see elements of this. And they're like, but this like makes so much more sense Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we have our order of the angels. Um, They are the most beautiful women of realism they there are feathers that they wear those with a yes. white feather means they're actually open to also have other sexual relationships so like even though they are going to be there to be the consorts of the elohim when they're here they can still like have sexual relations uh, with other people um but then there are those with the pink feathers and for them it means they are saving themselves only for the elohim and rail yeah <laughs> <laughs> and rail yeah that's where i think this gets sketchy is it seems like Rael has made this group just to have like his own little harem basically yeah and he so he definitely himself also like he's all about the free love but then there's also the interesting choices that he makes about like certain like his third marriage um was to a young girl from the uh realism movement 16 yeah she was sophie was 15 when she uh kind of did her transmission and at 16 years old she married him and they were married for some years and it's just like which at this point he's uh, 55 i did the math <laughs> yeah he's he's a lot older than her like at that age like you can't really give consent like even when you think you are like i do think that there's a big problem where um young women are often told how much more mature they are mm-hmm. than men so when you have someone that you admire in power that's telling you how mature you are mm-hmm. and like they can really convince you that like, oh, you're mature enough to make this decision to go into a relationship like with these men that are so much older than you. And I find it very problematic. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, this, she is still a child. <laughs> like mm-hmm. teenager is still a child. Yeah. Um, and like we don't even see uh, 
young adults like having fully developed brains until they're 26 so it's mm-hmm. like that's a whole 10 years before you've come to like a completely developed brain maybe we should not be having them get married at that age yeah I don't and know. apparently the marriage too in itself was because rael apparently doesn't believe in marriage anymore at this point so i guess the marriage is more just to show on paper like this is my wife i think more so to get through borders yeah but then take her and not the the bookstore the beloved bookstore (laughs) beloved bookstore where i worked (laughs) um it was more so to get through you know borders and then they divorced right after but then they stayed together so there's not really a silver lining there Yeah. yeah and that's one thing you see like so many of the women just worship him as like yeah. as a prophet. Um, and there's so many different things where they'll sing songs for him and he just sits there and watches them singing the song for him. There was one they showed. I'm sure you remember. Is it when he's at the lake? Yeah. <laughs> she had such a high-pitched voice. Oh, yeah. And I almost feel like he was trying not to laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that brings us to, I think Alan mentioned this, but Baby Eve in December of 2002 was reported to be the first cloned human by CloneAid. They did it! They did it! It's real! Yeah. Can we see pictures of her? (laughs) No! I mean, no. Oh, no. Well, SNL was able to. Yeah, SNL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, you guys. This this uh, was they were so notorious that there's actually a short sketch from the Weekend Update where they brought Raelle and Brigitte on to talk about their successful cloning of Baby Eve, <laughs> and uh, it's a short. Fun little jaunt, if you want to take a look at that. <laughs> yeah, and what was really funny is they were getting a lot of kind of, like, skepticism and hate at this point because they had no proof. They wouldn't show any proof. So in answer to this, they're like, we just cloned another baby. <laughs> <laughs> and it, maybe, like, four or five babies, but they wouldn't show any proof. So by yeah. the time they started saying they cloned more, the press was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot prove any of this you your answers you just keep saying there are more (laughs) stop it (laughs) look over there (laughs) yeah yeah so i think one of the big things that attracted me to rielism is they showed him talking to a mormon who was trying to convert him that was so good that was good this poor mormon had no idea what he was getting into (laughs) he's just like bushy like he was you know your prime going out on his uh, mission, mission yeah. bright-eyed young boy, and he's just so happy to share the word of his prophet. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, starts talking to this guy who's like, I'm a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about my brother, Jesus. <laughs> the, the smile on this young boy's face as he's just like, what? <laughs> But I love what he said that, like, all war on earth is in the name of God. We don't need God. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, I felt that way a long time. Like, I respect people's beliefs and religions, but, like, why do we all have to fight over it? Like, why can't we all just let everybody believe what they believe? Yeah. And one of the interesting things also I found when they swapped their pamphlets was 
Right? I was like, I will read your pamphlet, but you have to promise me you read mine too. And you could tell, like, the he's boy was like, it. I'm not going to yeah. read it. But he really wanted, he's like, really wanted to show the exact ones that he felt like Rael should. read this one. <laughs> this one. And he's just like, I will read the whole thing. All you have to do is read my pamphlet as well. <laughs> it's like, and that was really interesting to me because then it also just opens up a whole nother can of worms about how, uh, between religious lines were so unwilling to like hear what's going on in those other religions. Yeah. Um, when honestly, if you took a look, there'll be a lot of similarities. There are. <laughs> so uh, some of the other things I liked is, uh, Rael said at one point, love is the only rule. Mm-hmm. And well, he also believes that humans are born from the DNA of aliens. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Well, cause, okay. So that's like the big belief is intelligent design. Mm -hmm. So I think they said, they believed that this happened like 25,000 years ago, that the Elohim came here and like scooped up the soil. And instead of just kind of, they, they, they had the power to just say, boom, here's a creature that we've created that is a human. But instead they did start at the level of bacteria. And they're like, kind of, they were the ones that started life and then they were tweaking it and they were making the additions. And so they don't really believe in evolution, but they do believe like kind of that design choices were being made to kind of upgrade the life. And they kind of were building and building and humans are kind of built in the image of the Elohim. Mm. Like that's why when you see beautiful Michael Jackson, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, he's... <laughs> described very human-esque because we were built in the style of them and so we share their DNA because they put of themselves and it was the Elohim that came here was a they were a combination of scientists as well as artists Mm -hmm. because um, there was an idea around making the human race very beautiful um, so beauty is highly prized within realism. Thank you for gesturing towards me when you said that. I yes. am beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> um, and part of that is that they brought artists here to create beauty and make humans gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so that's why he says we share the DNA with them because mm-hmm. we were kind of created um, from them with the science that they did. Hmm. To make humans exist. Just like how the Kree Ah. experimented on humans to make the Inhumans. Yes. I understand everything through Marvel. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) And I I did find it really interesting uh, at one point when they were showing in the documentary uh, some of the things that have, like, their, their materials that they kind of put out there to share what the beliefs are um they were looking at a comic book like so this was another organization where they took their beliefs and put into a a comic book format and one of the guys said he's like we africans we enjoy humor so they talk to us (laughs) through humor (laughs) i'm like well (laughs) i enjoy humor too (laughs) (laughs) um so they actually it's interesting because even as they're looking at this stuff that like really resonates and brings true beliefs to them like, it's funny to them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's so funny. I thought funny. that was funny, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. and you got a kick out of the fact that the reporter from Vice, I think, mm-hmm. the way that he got invited to. Oh, yeah. So- <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> so apparently 
um, these guys have been inviting like celebrities that they feel that like Madonna, yeah, like Madonna. That they really see mm. these celebrities as kind of like living by the ideals yeah. of mm-hmm. realism, even if like they aren't practicing it. Yeah. So this reporter from Vice, he got the same invite. Yeah. And um, he gladly accepted it, but he was like, "I'm the only one that accepted it." <laughs> yeah. He's saying he learned that never before had a single person who had been nominated for this re- award ever shown up to receive it. Yeah. So he felt distinguished because, like yeah. Madonna and other people, but yeah, nobody ever showed. <laughs> You're like, oh, you actually showed up. <laughs> Welcome. And they told Welcome. me you did it to be um, shown on Vice. You know that. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and I don't. I think, like, this was kind of put on by Vice, but it was actually, like, its own standalone movie that oh, he yeah. did mm-hmm. and that later got picked up by them. So I do think they purposely chose him because he was a documentarian mm-hmm. and they're, yeah. like, they want to get their word out. Um, like, and even as uh, Rael is having his interviews, like, he talks about how what he really wants to do is create a movie mm-hmm. that gets out the message because he feels like that is the best way to reach way beyond what he could do on his own is if yeah. he could get a movie into yeah. theaters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even during the documentary, he was like, should I, should the camera be behind me when I'm walking down the stairs? Yeah. Or do you want... And they're like, we'll do both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So a little more about Raelian's beliefs. Um, they have monthly meetings. They do initiations and meditation rituals they meet on the third Sunday of every month. So it's it's pretty organized, pretty kind of basic what we see in groups like this. Yes, apparently. Okay, so I had, I don't know if you guys came across the Ono, Ross, and Carrie podcast. Uh-uh. So this was my first time discovering them, and I'm so intrigued by them. I think they do amazing work. If you guys enjoy us, you'll probably love them. They look into a lot of different cults or religions and fringe beliefs, but they full-on go into it to where they join. Oh, wow. So they joined the Mormon church. Wow. They joined realism. They went and they got their transmission and everything. They went to the Happiness Academy (laughs) in Vegas (laughs) and participated. They had, like, a friend that was actually part of the rail movement, um, and they had been to his transmission in Runyon. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, And went to a good amount of – meetings and stuff so i just really enjoyed their description of it and their take on it it's just so fun to me how they like full-on <laughs> become the religion so that they can report on it, it and speak yeah. to it and they don't tell people when they go in that they are like reporting on it as well because they don't want to get like this documentary guy they're yeah. very much it's like oh a show is being put on yeah. for him to record so this they could get like um, a real thing and like as they said like we didn't have anything bad to say about these people everyone was very kind and <laughs> like um, maybe some of the things weren't to our taste but there was never a point where they ca- came away thinking that there was anything really negative yeah. about realism and the movement behind it so highly recommend <laughs> if you guys want to there's a two-parter episode about that very fun cool and actually, you brought up the transmission, which I was trying to find a segue because uh-huh. I want to talk about it more. So here yes. we go. So the transmission is like, it's basically a baptism for this group where a guide places their hands on an individual's head. They then receive the individual's cellular code and transmit it to the Elohim. 
And this lets the Elohim, like Rachel said earlier, uh, know that not only get the genetic code, but it also lets them know that this individual has accepted them as the creators. Yes. And um, it sounds like they typically do this in like a beautiful nature setting. Oh. I think I mentioned earlier there's four days that are considered holy days a year um, that are the possible dates that they can do these transmissions. And typically it's very organized to where in each time zone it's happening at the same time, um, like at 3 p.m. their time zone. And so it's not just like if you did it here, then there's also maybe a chapter doing one earlier that day in Europe somewhere and in Japan. Um, And they typically from the ones that I heard about and – that were described there in a beautiful nature place. And apparently our hair is like antennas hmm. to send <laughs> the, <laughs> the information out there. So they really like a lot of the male fallers even will like grow their hair long to have better. <laughs> I noticed a lot of long hair in the man. Yeah. And that's like part of it was that. And then they had water. And the people that were doing the transmissions on the new members, like, get the water and get it on their hands and put it on them to also help transmit, like, hand on the forehead, on the back of the head Hmm. to help do the transmission (laughs) and send that up there. (laughs) Um, And from what Ross and Carrie mentioned in theirs, because they... At the end of the Happiness Academy, they said, yes, we want to do the transmission. And I guess beforehand, there's a lot of paperwork that you sign as well. They have this contract where they say that they are renouncing all previous religious affiliations and accepting that this is their new religious affiliation. And this was back in 2012. They did it, so I don't know how things may have changed since then. Um, But they also said that there was, like, no pressure. Like, if you Mm -hmm. decided, like this wasn't for you. That was fine. They actually had someone at theirs where he had some, I can't remember what his religious beliefs were, but there were things that he still felt very connected to. And was like, I don't want to renounce these. Like they're part of who I am, but I also believe this. And there was no pressure for him to Mm -hmm. like sign it and go through it. And they're like, do what you want. It's fine. Um, and then they're saying, like, you can even, like, be transmissioned and you don't have to ever come to a meeting again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was very low pressure and welcoming. Um, and so they said they had a really great experience at their transmission. They were at, out because they were at the Vegas Happiness Academy and it took them out, like, on a three-hour drive oh. out into the desert. Oh, wow. But they said once they got there, it was so stunningly beautiful that they're <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I see why we did this. Yeah, and you bring up a good point because there's even a report of one of Rael's angels leaving the group. And they just said, sure, if you are not happy, leave the group. And then later she wanted to return. And they said, sure, if that makes you happy, return. So it's very, like, whatever. They're very into happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I read that it's actually, if you are caught as a member trying to recruit or forcefully recruit somebody, you're actually banned from the group. Wow. Wow. For seven years, which is when they feel that the all your cells in your body are replaced. (laughs) Now you are a new person. (laughs) I wish Mormons would do this. (laughs) But yeah, and even Rael explains that like, yeah, if they're not intelligent enough to accept what we're doing, then they don't deserve to learn all this stuff or they're not worthy to be part of this group. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Speaking of intelligence, <laughs> so I think uh, this kind of segues well into one of the beliefs that's oh can be seen as a little bit pre- a little bit problematic. Okay, and that is that they feel like only geniuses should be allowed to vote because too many well, ignorant people vote and ruin things. Which well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, there's always that. Feeling, but then, like, where do you draw the yeah, line? Yeah. And really, what it needs to be is that everyone should be allowed to vote. We shouldn't put any sort of vo- voter suppression in place because part of the things is a lot of times that the su- the votes that are suppressed really affects people that voices need to be heard. Yeah, <laughs> and then it ends up just keeping the power in the wrong hands. Yeah, I think um, the key would be just better education for what you're actually believing. Like when we yeah. looked at Super Fun Happy America, mm. the fact that they think that all Democrats want uh, com- communism. Yeah, like that's not a true belief. So you are voting based based on, on lies. lies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is so hard. But anyways, yeah. So they believe that only genius level people um, should be able to vote. But then you like really, I guess when they're pressed about like, well, what makes a genius? They're like, oh, it's like those that love the most. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can measure that. I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah. I love Alan so much. Can I vote? <laughs> Um, oh, go yeah. ahead. Oh, no, go oh ahead. I was going to move in more toward the sexual beliefs, mm-hmm. which I found fascinating. Um, to start with the simple one, I just really like that the Raelians and Rael himself actually encourage people to dress in clothes of the opposite sex to fully explore gender fluidity. Ooh. And they also are encouraged to watch themselves or watch their genitals while they're masturbating. And this is like... Just you, yourself, not other people watching. But yeah. I just really love that they encourage sexual awakening. They do. That's a very big part for them. And they are very inclusive of all genders, of all um, sexuality preference. And, yeah. Um, I will say, while they're inclusive of genders, it does still see... see it seems like there is still some problematic things around mm-hmm. like women being controlled yes yes (laughs) like that always seems to be a little bit of a problem um but like it's much better than in other areas like i they're not being completely sex trafficked yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh that made me feel icky (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure the bracelets. I love the bracelets. Mm -hmm. The bracelets, I think, are so fun. And the way that one of the guys described it was just, like, the reasoning behind it. He's like, it really saves time, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you come and say, I come and I am a heterosexual man and I see a woman that I find interesting and I, like, spend a couple of days getting to know her and then eventually on the fourth day, then she, I, I ask her i i'm forward with her and i say i want to be with you and she says oh no i'm interested in women then i've wasted all that time and when we wear these bracelets (laughs) you're just saying out front what you want and you can save everyone time (laughs) yeah (laughs) so they're color-coded yeah so do you want to go over the colors yeah um so there's and let me know if i caught any of them wrong but from what i saw pink was meant to be homosexual and then purple was 
I saw it as bisexual. That, that's oh, I heard bisexual. Okay. Yeah. Like I, there were two kind of places yeah. where they described it. I said it. pansexual. Okay. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, red was several partners or yeah. poly. Poly. Um, and then green is if you're monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then white is if you don't have a partner, so it's you're open to anyone. Or, or sometimes it was that they just wanted to be alone, right? Yeah, yeah. that too, yeah. So I have moved from a red to a green bracelet, and I also wear a purple bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So yeah, I mean, my only concern, which Alan kind of talked me off the ledge, was a lot of this is done in a African, a part of Africa, Africa city, town, city. Yeah. So I was kind of like, well, we're doing this, you know, sexual freedom experiment in AIDS land. But Alan yeah. did mention that they are encouraged to wear condoms, which yeah. I'm mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just there. Like, um, at a, if you go to Happiness Academy, mm-hmm. they give you all of the yarn colors in your packet so that you can put them on and wear them throughout okay. the Happiness Academy. It's like it's used, I think, at a lot of their gatherings, not just out at this in the, location. Yeah, in West yeah. Um, which ha- I think I keep mentioning happen- Happiness Academy, but haven't explained <laughs> what it is. And so Happiness Academy is like a convention, basically. And it doesn't happen in any just one location. There'll be um, ones that happen in the Americas, in Europe, in Asia, all over. And they usually are about a week long. And it's a time where everyone comes and they meditate and they have different speakers. Uh, toward the end, there's the opportunity for a transmission. So it's usually kind of um, takes place over one of the holy days so that a transmission can be done for all those that are like, yes, I'm here. And I don't know how it is now. I was tr- I didn't see any information about any coming up quite yet. And I'm sure that that's a result of COVID and recovering mm-hmm. from what COVID um, has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the reports that I got on it was uh, thanks to Ross and Carrie and them having gone to one. Mm-hmm. And it kind of really for them, they were saying that the first time you go, it's really affordable. And this was 2012. So it was like $35 to go, but then they gave you a $35 gift certificate oh. to buy like, like books and stuff yeah um and i they think that like after you go a second time the price kind of raises a little bit and i think i mean it's really smart like it's also so much different from some of these other cult things that you see where they're like charging up the wazoo to get you to come to these uh different workshops um so with this one they kind of recognize like if we can get you here if we can get you to invest money in our material then you're more likely to like kind of accept it and come around to it um so they're like it was great like we were able to go to this thing for they ended up only going for three of the seven days just because they had full-time jobs (laughs) Um, but there's all sorts of things that a lot of meditation um they even said one of the things they kind of got to and they kind of sat down and there were beds around and there were already people like hooking up on the bed. Oh, so it even oh. sounded like a little bit play party like at yeah. times. <laughs> um, so Happiness Academy, like if you find realism intriguing, um, aside from going to local meetings, you can go to one of these and I'm sure they'll start them up again once we're really in the clear from COVID. Um, but they do happen quite regularly when 
things are normal. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel. What? I have a feeling you really like this next topic we're going to talk about. Oh. What were your feelings on the Clitbox fundraiser? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Clitbox fundraiser. So I will say, um, so it was so interesting. In the Vice thing, they really looked at this community in Africa. Mm -hmm. And... In Africa, there is a big problem of women being mutilated, especially within um, areas where Muslim religion is mm-hmm. very strong because they they don't believe that women should feel pleasure sexually. So they will chop off part of the clitoris and then it, that not only is that continuously painful, <laughs> but you just like you don't have pleasure from sex anymore. Oh, and they had a person talking about it in the Vice documentary where he's like, see, this is good. It keeps women humble so they won't be sluts. And I was like, let me add them. So part of what they've done is they had started a kind of non-profity sort of organization to create a hospital down there where they can do reconstruction. reconstructions <laughs> reconstruction of women that have been mutilated down there so they do a procedure um, because the clitoris like it's actually quite long and goes into so they kind of pull some of it from the out, inside out and get it all beautiful and then sensation can return to it and women can enjoy sex again yeah and so the clit box was something that they gave to their members and it just reminds me of like when you were in school and you had those like milk cartons you had to pull up (laughs) yeah so it was like similar to that but every time you had an orgasm you were encouraged to then put money into the clit box and then give that money (laughs) to help support these and they've actually helped quite a few women get this procedure and get them put back to being whole again. Alan and I loved the promo video that showed like (laughs) an older white man like getting it on like somebody's under the sheet giving him pleasure Uh and then an older black man comes up and he's like oh wow that was great. But since I just had an orgasm, I need to share that with somebody else. And he puts money in the clip box. <laughs> I love so, it. I love it so much. Good. <laughs> and people, their clitoris gets fixed at the Pleasure yeah. Hospital. The Pleasure Hospital. A real bonus river. river. Yes. Yeah, so I think that is like a lovely thing for them to be mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. and encouraging. And it's nice to see actual good works being done. And I think there's also an element of them also being protected within this kind mm-hmm. of city that they're a part of where realism is the leading thing. Like, because here you're in a safe space where you won't be taken and be mutilated. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing this to people for free too. Cause obviously like Africa is a pretty poor country. So, you know, if you don't have the means to get that, particular procedure done like they can you can go there and do it for do it there so that's that's what i like a lot too yes yeah so speaking of africa and their opinions toward black individuals did you hear about this Uh oh no Uh so and like they mentioned it lightly in the documentary but i don't think they really sat down to say like Mm. This is like a big belief that they have. Uh, So this is one of the other things that can be seen as being a little bit problematic. And it, so, Rael has a belief that 
all black people should return to Africa, where they came from, um, because it is their, like, homeland. And it's not so much that it's because he doesn't want them mixing with other races, but, like, he really, he phrases it as, like, they have such beautiful culture. He really encourages, like, bringing in their cultural um traditions and bringing that into the space of realism and breaking away from colonized religions that like these like you had these beautiful religions and then colonizers came through and made you believe that you were wrong to experience those and you need to return to those um but a big problematic part of that is like he has this opinion that black people should all go back to africa yeah yeah <laughs> uh which is problematic not good yeah. <laughs> which and you're right they did show on vice him talking in a wife beater over zoom <laughs> to a big group of african people basically saying like we need to return to your roots which can be good can be bad because there's a, a big belief about what's the word like the outlook on african people or even just indigenous people in general like showing mm-hmm. them as these like brutes who yeah, are not as barbaric yeah. And, yeah and that's not what most of africa is <laughs> yeah yeah like they had beautiful rich cultures that already existed and no they didn't look like what like the white man colonizer european things look like but that doesn't mean they're wrong. <laughs> like, honestly, I kind of am more drawn to their religions where they're more in touch with, like, nature and, um, yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you brought that up. Another negative. <laughs> You're welcome. I like, I like to bring in all the elements. Yeah. And um, would we like to talk about the symbol? Yes. Mm. We need to bring up the symbol. So it is a swastika inside a star of david which has uh garnered a lot of questions yes especially when you have both of those together because as we know the swastika was really used uh by mr hitler as he really tore down the jews who are the star of david yeah (laughs) so like those already have like a really problematic relationship in that the swastika is used as the power of the oppressing party and then they like branded and labeled people with that star of david as like this is the negative jewishness um and like had them wear the patches Mm -hmm. um but from rael's perspective uh the swastika was something that was appropriated by hitler it originated within buddhism and it's about peace and peace and love yeah (laughs) so that's how it started but unfortunately it has been appropriated and due to what horrible things came out of the party that appropriated it like we now all very much still associate with that and we still see people with those terrible ideals using that as their symbol like the proud boys (laughs) Ku Klux Klan like it's still not a happy symbol um and then so for him also the star of David while they say you have to like give up a lot of religions when you sign this paperwork they don't have the same outlook towards Jewishness like um because like Elohim and all those beliefs like actually are really close with the Jewish belief and they kind of have repurposed some aspects I'm saying like, yeah, that this was what was happening, but 
it was aliens and not God, you see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's why he has the Star of David there and like kind of putting these together, this peace symbol inside of that Jewish symbol. And I will say, like, it is a he- like he wears it's that big. giant pendant and it's it draws the eye. Yeah, um, and like I do like the idea of reappropriating the symbol, but on the mm-hmm. same token, you're right, it is such a hate filled symbol that is still used today that way. So yeah. it's a hard sell. And he's actually been told, we are not going to support you unless you change your symbol in certain areas. And it has kind of hindered him. And did you see, there was a point where they did rebrand it in for a little while. In 1992. In America and Europe. <laughs> um, and I think, was it in the, on the Vice documentary in the corner? Yeah. Like it was there. So it looks like more like a vortex instead of. There's like six instead of just four things, and it's like a vortex. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a really cool symbol. And it's supposed to represent the swirling galaxy, and some members say that it helps them speak to the LOM. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I actually really like that symbol. I thought it looks lovely, and I think it kept enough, like, it has the vibe of the original, but now has taken away from the symbol that has been problematic and has a lot of trauma around it. Um, but I guess he's not really into that. Yeah, he I guess really approve. Um, from 92 to 2007, Rael changed it in American Europe in order to like have more of a footprint there mm-hmm. because those were two of the bigger areas that said, no, we don't want the symbol. But in 2007, that's when Rael said, nope, we're going back to the swastika everywhere. Yep. And, I mean, I know you guys don't want to miss out on this. June 25th is Swastika Rehabilitation Day. Okay. Okay. So we can all gather (laughs) together in celebration of the swastika in really rehabilitating how the world looks at it, really pushing forward its message of peace. Hmm. Uh, There's information on their website, you can go check out the information for that. June 25th is when they'll be having that. We're going to see the play that goes wrong yeah. that day. <laughs> <laughs> We're busy. Too bad. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to miss all the fun. So Rachel keeps opening up these uh, segues for me. Thank you, Rachel. You're welcome. Uh, one of the last things I want to talk about is the Raelian calendar. So this begins, their calendar begins August 6, 1945. I can't, was there a big event that happened that day? Did any of you Hiroshima about anything? I heard something about that day. So yeah, so this is where the calendar starts. And it's every year after 1945 is referred to as AH after... Hiroshima. After Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. And you found something that said why this was the start. Can you expand? Yeah, so what Raelius believe is that during the Hiroshima bomber, when that had occurred, that was when the world entered a stage of the Age of Apocalypse, um, which is basically that's kind of like the start of the threat of nuclear annihilation. So that's kind of where they're like, their belief started of like loving more and let's not go to the direction of war. So that's kind of, I guess, their awakening, I guess you can say. Yeah, where the railings or the Elohim started paying attention again. Yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah. our humans are over there doing their thing. And then they're like, fuck, I left you alone for a couple thousand years and you're blowing each other up. And so they thought they should start 
paying attention again. See, yeah. and thanks again to Marvel Comics 1995 <laughs> for exposing me to the Age of Apocalypse comic series mm-hmm. where Apocalypse takes over. So I was prepared for this belief. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first Sunday in April is the day the Elohim created humans. Nice. August 6th is the day of Hiroshima. Uh, December 13th is the day Rael met the Elohim for the first time. Mm-hmm. And October 7th is the day Rael met the Elohim for the second time in 1974. Nice. So these are the four days of worship within the year. Those oh. are the days that the transmissions are happening. Yes. <laughs> and I find it incredibly appropriate that we are recording today. Because do you know what March 20th is? What? It is the International Day of Happiness. Oh, It is uh, created and celebrated. It's uh, endorsed by the United Nations as the Day <laughs> wow. of Happiness. And so the International Raelian Movement, they didn't create it, but they like really support the message of it. And they say, no, this shouldn't just be a one-day celebration. This should be every day of your life should be about happiness. Um, so I think it's really appropriate that you guys, we got together to celebrate together and discuss. (laughs) Also, you are my happiness and I get to see you today Uh, and yesterday. uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, for the most part, that's realism. I think the only thing we didn't really talk about is their, um, what is it called? Their sensual meditation. Yeah. Well, and actually, so I heard, or from what I had heard on the podcast uh that i'd mentioned earlier uh with oh no with ross and carrie they're like they don't seem incredibly sensual like these a lot of times they'd go to them and they'd just be kind of normal meditations yeah well yeah. the idea was and it, i laughed a little bit because it was like often new age music is played <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> it's supposed to be like you're having an orgasm of the cosmos so it's less about like sensuality with other people and more just sensuality with the cosmos whatever that means mm-hmm. um, but just getting in tune with the cosmos they said there was like one that they had been at where it was all about like kind of them chanting each part of the word Elohim. So they started with all going, <laughs> and they said it kept going and going. So you'd have to like stop and get your breath and join back in. And they're like way longer than when should ever hold any of these things and then they even at the end of the episode there's a clip of it and it was playing and it kept playing and playing and i was cracking up because i'm like they were not kidding this is the longest i've ever heard a like part of a word held out for so long and then they'd finally finish the the one and then they'd go on to oh <laughs> yeah that's funny. They really enjoy song within. That's good. <laughs> like this, within this movement. Like, <laughs> oh, there was. I think was it in the Vice documentary where he was like playing the guitar oh, and yeah. he would think sing a part and they would like sing back to him. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> it was times. a pretty good. T- it didn't give a lot of information. I feel the Vice documentary, but like 
it gave a good look at the people and like you really because i feel like if you just hear these beliefs it may sound a little crazy but hearing them speak about the beliefs you're kind of like eh, they're a little crazy but they believe in it yeah (laughs) and they're so joyful they joyfully believe in it so i mean i'm happy for them being happy (laughs) so let's talk about this so charismatic leader i think we've talked about rael a lot he's very charismatic oh yeah yeah (laughs) i mean once he got that that guitar (laughs) yeah he just shot out into the universe (laughs) how about uh alienation i don't feel like there's a lot of alienation like they're very like we mentioned they're very open to the fact that like if it's not right for you walk Mm -hmm. away if you do need to walk away and come back later you can um very open Mm -hmm. belief system Totally, I totally agree. I mean, they believe a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. Um, outside evil, not really. No, no, no they don't war. really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't think Stupid there people be war. voting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, in general, like, it's nice, it's refreshing to have a religion where they aren't needing to cast someone else as the villain mm-hmm. yeah. to make their religion the right one. And a sense of community. We've definitely oh. seen lots of examples of that. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I, I really like this group. I mean, we talked about some of the problematic things. Like, we see often the leaders sleeping with underage people or taking mm-hmm. on many lovers, and that's just human nature. I'm not excusing it, but, like, yeah, yeah. it's not great. But the beliefs and, like, some of the things they're doing, I feel like we could all learn from and take on to make a better society. Yeah. I think we all need to go out and buy our bracelets. Yeah. (laughs) We will save so much time, you guys. I know. Days. (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts on this group? I don't think they're... I wouldn't consider them to be a cult. I feel it's more like a belief system or like a religion than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So good to balance out this really happy-go-lucky, warm cult or group. Uh-huh. Next week we're going to talk about Angels Landing. Or in Yay! two weeks. <laughs> this is a murder most foul. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job of kind of doing like some of the harder hitting ones and then some of the lighter ones. So after Angel's Landing, I'm excited because we're going to do Flat Earthers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we got a good season for you. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for listening. Yeah, let us know how we're doing. Send us a message on Instagram. You can also find us there on Once Upon a Cult, or you can find the link tree to any of our projects, including my book, our merch. Our other podcast, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> Our other podcast, is Alan, is uh, <laughs> Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, where we talk about everything under the Disney umbrella. Or you can find me and Kevin on Hanging with the Hollowells, talking about Charm Season 8. Or you can find me on A Real Bodice Ripper, where we like to tear apart <laughs> romance novels. And then that also links to our Patreon for Once Upon a Cult, where we have the additional cult episodes. And you can find our Patreon for Hanging with the Hollowells, where we have older Hollowell episodes. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for Angels Live. Bye. Bye.